Welcome to Toastmistress's Podcast, a show about events and becoming the best host that you can be. Cheers to you, listener. Santé! Hello, bonjour, everybody. This is your host, Shay Moi. I am so pleased to touch base with you all this week as we have a very fun, laugh-filled conversation that is awaiting. It has been an extremely busy week in my own life. Today, I finished presenting my very last presentation for my master's program. So I've been talking all day. So I figured instead of my good instincts as a future speech language pathologist and give myself vocal rest, I am doing a bit of vocal abuse. So folks, if you ever are talking after a very long day, it is best to give yourself vocal rest and not do what I'm doing. One good thing that I've been doing all day, however, is staying hydrated. That is the number one thing to make sure that you have healthy functioning vocal cords. Without any further ado, I am so excited to introduce today's guest. There is none other than this drag artist who hails from the outskirts of Ottawa, but she is an earned priority in our hearts and in this fabulous city of drag. She is the co-host of Drag Pen, Ottawa's hottest lip sync battle. This queen has been using her voice for good, having recently seated on the panel for the Little Branches Rural Roots Library Conference, spreading the good word of inclusion in our communities and schools. She also collaborated twice with the International Day of Pink organization in the past few months. During the Legendary Courage Tour in February, she opened up for Isis Couture, and three weeks ago was a part of the Courage to Stand Up Tour, where she performed for Martin Boyce and multiple ambassadors, senators, and all those big wigs. Even bigger than our wigs! A traveling cowgirl, the queen has spread her divine milk across Ontario to perform at different venues. From the farm to the technological world of my podcast, please welcome Holly Cow. Hey, y'all. So excited to be here today. I am so thrilled to be interviewing you. I feel that when we met, we had such a lovely chat. Um, You were there my debut night in Ottawa drag. Yes. You were there and we had such a great chat. Like it wasn't just like a passing small talk at the end of the show. We really just started started getting to know each other. And I think that led perfectly for us being here today and you being my second guest on this podcast and the first from Ottawa. The first from Ottawa, it feels correct. When I was there at your Snatch Game of Love that Zaxinia hosted, Oh my god, you're Moira Rose. <laughs> oh, please. So perfect. Like, I knew as soon as I saw you do that, I was like, she's she's an Ottawa girl. It's official. Like, <laughs> let's bring her in. Please. Please book me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, no, it, it was uh, such an amazing night. Um, I was there with, like, a lot of awesome talent, and it was so amazing for the first time having a lot of the members of the Ottawa drag community be there in the audience. I felt really touched with that and shout out to Drag Kings as well for pulling off amazing competitions like this and the Drag Kings who placed first and second and then Slushy placing third. So kudos to them. Snap, snaps all around. 
Absolutely. She, myself, might have been the fan favorite. Who knows? But there might have been some calculation issues. But all things considered, I think it was a good first showing. And now I've performed here four or five times. Oh, she's already losing earrings. <laughs> Folks, you can't see this at home, but or in your car or at work, wherever you might be. But um, Holly is falling to pieces in front of my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> at least I'm consistent. It's, we can say that. It's tea. Yeah. So Fall we have. Fall apart so, early. <laughs> Fall apart, Holly. Holly, uh, what do they call it with like a, a cow with like three legs, like lean beef? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Isn't there a joke? It's like, what do they call like the cow with three legs? Lean beef? They call her Holly Cow. They call her Holly Cow. <laughs> the three legged queen herself, Holly you know you Cow. <laughs> So, on that note, Holly, I mean, what are... So, you've been doing drag since when? So, I debuted um, August 3rd, 2021. So, we are approaching two years in August. And what a two years it must have been. Oh, my gosh. So, fun fact about my debut. Yeti and I... Me, Yeti, and Mandragora debuted the same night in August, almost two years ago. And the stars aligned... (laughs) <laughs> right like no so it's it's been almost two years of drag for me in ottawa amy yonsei chanel hosted the open stage and i remember that night i mean i was busted <laughs> like i i think i only like started doing what i would consider good drag what many would consider good drag uh i only started doing that recently <laughs> <laughs> what is, wait, wait wait hold on hold on what's good drag define good drag well, when I do it, I'll let you know. But <laughs> I was like, this no. was was an interesting thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, well, first of all, like, drag is an art and art is subjective or whatever the big boule and little boule say. But <laughs> um, I think, like, for me, a good drag, it doesn't matter, like, what your gender or presentation is. I think, like, to be a good drag artist in my eyes... It's having all the pieces or like working on all the pieces like you're hosting you're giving face your makeup your outfits the song choices and like working the crowd you know mm-hmm. i think like all those little things is what makes a drag artist good and entertaining and like you know i've, I've seen quite a bit of drag and like all types of drag hosting drag pen so yeah she, she's experienced she's she's got an eye out for talent you know and that's a lot in less than two years. You mm-hmm. said sprint, not marathon. But hey, I've never moved faster. <laughs> I think that you're are, you are going to have a very long and illustrious career. There's no doubt about that. You are so revered and loved in this community. If that's one thing that I've gained from, you know, from the rumblings in whether it be the green room at the lookout bar. Um, from the stage, it you really perpetuate love and light, and I think that is what's going to be really getting you far within this world of Thank you. drag. Yeah, fully heartfelt. I mean, <laughs> certainly not lip syncing, so I got to rely on the other things. <laughs> Listen, that's what I'm here for. I want to. I was thinking like that would be my avenue on TikTok at a certain point is to help people yeah. lip sync better. Because I'm literally studying the voice, and yeah. there's literally no voice in 
lip syncing, ironically. But Mm -hmm. you got to be able to move your mouth around and be able to really articulate that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, have a lot of amazing skills. And that's what drag is all about. It is about constantly growing and evolving. Because, you know, I've seen people remain stagnant in this art form. And it shows. And then the bookings show. And this kind of stuff, you got to be constantly working on it. One of my favorite things to do as an artist, because like one thing to get rid of your ego as a drag artist is to like constantly watch your videos back and like reduce your art to like just what you view of yourself. And I try to get every performance that I do recorded so I can go back and critique the way I do it. And then hopefully do it better the next time. So improvement. Uh, no, I will send you the video eventually. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't like <laughs> subtweeting you, but <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this folks, uh, this is an ongoing thing with myself and Holly. We talked about the uh, the game of love, Zach Zinia's game of love that happened three months ago. <laughs> Holly was going to send me the, the video the day after. But you know what? You are sending it in drag queen time. This is tomorrow in drag queen time. No, for real. Like, you'll get it when you get it. Um, it's fantastic. I will tell you that. I'm glad to Having hear. I've watched it multiple times myself. It's pretty good. Oh, that means a lot. <laughs> You've never watched it, but I'm just letting you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Holly Cow, what are we toasting today? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked. Today, I am sponsored by the one and only. Tim Horton's Ice Cap. Oh, amazing. A national icon. Delicious. You know, there's nothing better than like a nice, cold, red-eye ice cap on a beautiful spring day like today. Oh, I agree. It, um, I'm so thankful for this weather. Holy. Holly. (laughs) Holly cow. Holly cow. It's so warm. Uh, I love it. I'm going to be toasting with you because it's so warm. I'm toasting the good old H2Ho because stay hydrated, friends. I haven't seen her in a while. (laughs) How's she been? She's good. Nourishing, plentiful. We're not in water wars yet. We're good. So, you know what? (laughs) You gotta. (laughs) Yeah. Shall we? Exactly. And I will toast to you. Let's toast. Toast. <laughs> or whatever they say. Santé. Salty? Santé. Santé. Yeah, means health in uh, French. Health? Yeah. To your health. Oh, like... Like wellness. Yeah, you're a nurse. <laughs> health, when we make people healthy. Like a... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't understand. So what, do. what was the rubbing hands gesture for? Oh, because, because like the the public health posters in our washrooms and stuff and like hand hygiene, it always says like Sante. So I was like, uh, wait, washing hands. Exactly. So yeah. folks at home, wash your hands. Cheers. <laughs> The Moi Dynasty is growing. 
For this episode and all future episodes of Toast Mistresses, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming to the podcast my drag daughter, Anne Moi, as she does her segment entitled One Minute Sommelier. Each week, the wines will be paired with either the host, the guest, or whatever Anne Moi chooses because it's her segment and not yours. So without any further ado, let's listen for what Anne has to tell us this week with her edition of One Minute Sommelier. Thank you, Shay. Today, as an homage to Holly Cow, we're going to talk about buttery, creamy Chardonnay. The wine I have with me today is La Crema Chardonnay from the Sonoma Coast. On the scale of wine regions, Sonoma being in Northern California is warmer than average, but it does have a moderating maritime influence, and that allows wines from this region to retain their structure and acidity. La Crema also undergoes a process very common in California, uh, which is called malolactic fermentation. And this is a process where the wine is inoculated with a bacteria, and it converts malic acid, which will give wines a flavor like green apple, uh, and convert it to lactic acid, which will give wines flavors of buttered popcorn and cream. All right, let's give it a try. On the nose of this wine, there is ripe tree fruit, yellow apple, pear, a hint of apricot? And then beyond the fruit, there is just this lovely mix of creme fraiche, vanilla, I'd even say some toffee. On the palate, the the fruit actually comes off more tropical than it did on the nose. I'd say mango and pineapple are the primary fruit flavors. But the defining characteristic of this palate is the big butter, big cream with the vanilla lingering underneath. For a white wine, this has an impressively round full body and a lovely mouthfeel. All of these things taken together, I am here for this wine. That being said, the style of Chardonnay is often maligned as basic and unsophisticated. So it's fine for, you know, suburban wine moms, but anyone serious about wine wouldn't drink it. And I internalize that message, which is, how I came to see Californian Chardonnay as a guilty pleasure, something I enjoyed privately, but wouldn't admit publicly, and certainly not in the presence of other sommeliers. And isn't that just incredible horseshit? Some wine expert pronounces from their pedestal that okayed Chardonnay is out of fashion, so I need to stop drinking it? And what's even going on with the idea of a guilty pleasure? Take what gives you pleasure and Drop the guilt imposed by expectations from others. Because what is drag if not taking society's expectations of gender, rejecting them, and then creating art in the space that remains? Cheers. I have a nice farmer's tan already. Oh, yeah. And so you work on a farm. You are literally farm girl Holly. For all of our office drones who listen to this, what is it like working out in the fields? Yeah, so I grew up in the Ottawa Valley. I born and raised on a farm outside of Renfrew. And yeah, no, like growing up, you know, we had everything like horses, chickens, cows, sheep, goats, pigs, like all of it, you name it. 
Um, it's definitely different growing up like on a farm versus like a town or a city because most people's summers, summer vacations are spent like, you know, like doing fun things and like, you know, hanging out with friends and stuff. But like, that is like the time to work on the farm, you know? Hey, crops, getting the cows ready for the fairs, getting like all the animals ready for the fairs and stuff. So definitely like I had a, you know, very, very different upbringing, but I'm so grateful because, hey, you know, it's working great for the drag branding. Absolutely. And I was curious <laughs> about that. You know, your drag name is clearly a play on the uh, the farm world. And yes. was it ever going to be anything else besides Holly Cow? Yeah, actually. So I always, I knew that I wanted my drag name to be a not like a nod and reference to growing up on the farm. And that's the one thing that like I'm very familiar with. And like, I knew I could play on it. So Holly Cow came from like a lovely 2am McDonald's hangout with my best friend Kate. And we were just shooting. I knew I wanted to do drag. This was March 2021. And I knew I wanted to do drag after watching like binge watching drag race during the pandemic. That was kind of my coping mechanism and safe space um while I was working in the hospital in the pandemic come home watch drag race decompress um so I knew after that I wanted to like start drag and so at McDonald's with Kate we were just shooting the shit like just saying all these like random names I thought I was gonna be like a pageant girl and so I really wanted one of those stupid long names that all the pageant girls have <laughs> um and then at one point, we just, like, said, holy, like, I think we were, like, holy cow, like, there's nothing, like, I can't think of anything, and it was, like, holy cow, holy cow, holy cow, you know, like, it, it just kind of, like, it came from that, like, moment, and it was just, like, there it is, this is perfect. Incredible. And, like, <laughs> very punny, very catchy, <laughs> I think, like, I think the one thing I really love about my drag name is that it's memorable and you know who I am like right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. It is yeah, iconic, memorable, but, but to answer your question, I didn't know if like, originally I didn't think I was going to go like the drag queen route, you know? So the other like idea I had in mind was I really thought my drag was going to be going in the like gender bending, gender non-conforming route of kind of like, you know, one up to society and all that. And so I really thought that, you know, I could have been buckwheat instead of holly cow. Ah, <laughs> that's a good one. No. So, so if not holly cow, like I definitely, it, we could have had buckwheat. Who knows? Like it might be your drag yeah. child in the future. Maybe. And Yeah. You know, and, like, I still have, like, all the sketches and rough drafts and stuff. You know, Buckwheat would have been way more masked and, like, way more, like, non-conforming and stuff. And, like, I still try to, um, when there's an opportunity to, like, do that and play and have more fun with gender, you know, I definitely love to lean into that every now and then. But, yeah, no, she's Holly Cow. She's Holly Cow. And hopefully here to stay and slay. It's always milking time. It's milking time, baby. So being up here in Ottawa, what are your favorite mm. aspects of drag up here? I grew up an hour away from Ottawa. So when I turned fresh 19, I knew I needed to go to the Luca bar and like see what was up. My first time seeing 
and experiencing Ottawa drag. It was completely by accident. <laughs> I went to dinner with one of my friends and we were just walking in Byward Market and there were these two, like, two very tall, I didn't know what they were at the time, but the wigs, the hair, the makeup, the outfits, promoting this drag show with posters and pamphlets on the streets. And my friends and I got the pamphlet and we were like, what's the lookout bar? And they were like, oh, honey, follow us. Oh. And so Devana Co. and Adriana Exposé walked my friend and I to the lookout bar for our first drag show. And then you were groomed. <laughs> <laughs> they got me, gal. <laughs> After that night, I became gay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the queer agenda. That was what was the in the pamphlets. <laughs> no, Devana Co., Adriana Exposé, and Kimmy Couture were my first ever drag show. Um, in 2019, August 2019, actually. So, like, August is an important month for like True. my drive. Oh my god, uh, Leo season is your season. Well, <laughs> don't know how I feel about Leos, but yes, Holly is technically a Leo. Yeah, no. Um, so my first ever experience with Ottawa Drag was Kimmy Couture, Adriana Exposé, Devana Co. And what a fantastic show! All the dancing divas, the stunts, like the makeup, the songs, like, it was, 2019 was my first year experiencing a safe space, which happened to be the lookout bar. And, like, you know, there was no turning back. Once you get a taste of it, once you get a taste of, like, what it's like to feel safe being queer, like, you want more and there's no turning back. So, um, second drag show was Kimmy and Isis Couture at Lookout. What a combo. Yeah, like, so anyways, to answer your question, Ottawa has some of the best drag, like not only in this country, but I think in the world. We have such a unique um, dynamic in this city because there's limited venues. There's limited queer venues. And so to get booked, you have to step up your game very quickly in the scene. Yeah. You know, the goal, I think, for most people is to go from open stage to getting a paid gig to hosting and like eventually graduating and like either working on the weekends or hosting your own show at a venue, you know? And mm -hmm. so a lot of us follow that formula of open stage, paying our dues, trying to get a paid gig, trying to get a spot on the weekend as a guest performer, you know, and just keep pushing ourselves and graduating until we like get there. Yeah, and so you debuted yeah. in August of 21. When yes. was your first paid gig? Debuted in August. Worked very, very, very hard the first couple months. Competed in a competition called Ottawa's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. Was very early out and kind of went viral for it because I got eliminated on Latin Week for not knowing the lyrics to my JLo Mega Mix. Oh my god, girl. <laughs> and then, yeah, history repeats itself. We'll get into it later. Oh. <laughs> and then I had to lip sync for my life that night. And I also did not know the lyrics to J-Lo's Let's Get Loud. Oh my. So. For my life. So, um, I of course thought I was eating. I thought I devoured that lip sync. And so when it was announced that 
both of us were eliminated. Oh, not a double sachet. It was a double elimination <laughs> that neither of us knew the lyrics. And I, I thought I won. So there's a moment, there's a video somewhere. There's a moment where I'm just like, oh my God, I won. Uh, and then both of the contestants are going home tonight. Give it up for Holly Cow and Ember Blaze. And I'm just like, I look at the camera. Office moment. <laughs> Did I'm I like, hear? I the camera. I had the, I was face cracking before Jan face cracked. You know what I mean? <laughs> the horror thinking I won that lip sync to find out it was a double elimination. And so every time I went to the bar, they would play Let's Get Loud. Oh my God. Okay. And then how long did it take for you to make a joke out of it? Because that was um, probably like a little bit of bruising. It was, it was a bit traumatic <laughs> at first, but... <laughs> You know, I am very resilient, and so, and I'm an opportunist, so I saw a branding opportunity. I, you know, people started to, like, book me, but it was like, hey, we'll book you, but you have to perform Let's Get Loud. Yes, I and love so that. <laughs> so, you know, I I was like, okay, I'm going to swallow my ego, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get my name out there. Oh, awesome. And Did you, like, make an edit of it, or just, like, straight up do that song again? Oh, I just I just did the song over and over and over. And this is where the first Justice for Holly Cow movement started. I love it. I have my sister back home that competed yeah. in a big competition as well. It was like one of the m- most attended competition. I think there were probably about 15 people. 15 people! <laughs> 1,500 people <laughs> in the audience. There were, there were one five people. Yeah, there were one five. There's only like 20 people in Newfoundland. So like that makes sense. Um, (laughs) So there were like 1500 people in the audience. And then she made it to the finals. But they were trying to siphon down. It was a lip sync competition. Okay. So they were trying to siphon it down from like a top four, I think, to a top three. And then all of a sudden it was trivia. And then the trivia question was the determining factor whether you got to the end of a lip syncing competition. So... She oh, got, I, that. I know. And so this happened last summer. So we're talking like 2022. Yeah. And the question was like, how many queens walked into the workroom on season two of Drag Race UK? Like, who the fuck knows? And anyway, she got eliminated. And then after that, just like there's justice for Holly Cow, there's justice for Misty. And oh, wow. it's still oh, going. Justice for Misty. Justice for Misty. Justice for my sisters, Holly Cow and Misty. The world yeah, did you dirty. Sure did. But there was thankfully a redemption week um, during Ottawa's Drag Race. And I did a redemption mix of Let's Get Loud. Oh. The judges that I knew the lyrics. And the top two was myself and Stella Soleil. Awesome. She was and one of the first performers I saw here. Yeah. 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 And so her and I won Redemption Week and got back in. Oh, congratulations. And then the show got canceled due to reasons I will not speak about. Wow. Uh, the way that I literally didn't answer your question. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes. After after the whole Let's Get Loud Justice for Holly Cow moment, I did a guest spot at New Year's Eve at Lookout Bar. Um, it was me, Sophia Sapphire, my drag mother, Isis, and. Well, I don't remember everybody, but yeah, no, one of my first big moments or breakthrough moments was definitely New Year's Eve at Lookout. And then a few months later, we got Drag Pen season one going Ah. in spring of 2022. 
Amazing. So that leaves us on a good note here. We're going to take a break and listen to a message from our sponsors. And when we get back after the break, I'm going to do a little deep dive in Holly Cow's milk pool to learn about drag pen. Because what an iconic competition. It's so much fun. We'll be right back. Toastmistresses is proudly sponsored by Display Rules, a mental health awareness clothing company that starts conversations and stops the stigma. 20% of all profits made go towards mental health organizations in Newfoundland and Labrador. You can find them online at Display Rules on Instagram or www.displayrules.com. Go check out their stuff. They have a lot of amazing apparel and clothing that would make for a lovely gift for yourself or others. So go check out their website. This is a dear friend of mine and I definitely don at least 10 articles of clothing that I have acquired from them over the years and they continue doing great work. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. I am still joined by the ever creamy Holly Cow. Holly, (laughs) before we left for the break, uh, we were talking a bit about drag pen and the idea of competition culture up here in Ottawa. There are so many Mm -hmm. competitions going on all of the time which is a fantastic thing to see because just as a background from back home in Newfoundland and Labrador, there were at max like two to three competitions per year. And up here, that's just a Saturday. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And uh, so you've been involved in competition culture. We got loud before the break talking about your first experience within competition culture, but then you became a host of a competition. Yes, I did. And what's drag pen? Tell us about it. So much to unpack. Yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, in Ottawa, it, it's such a unique city in which to get your name out there, you know, you really have to like work for it and just try really hard to brand yourself and stand out from all the others trying to get that like one guest spot on a Saturday night, you know. And so competition culture in Ottawa has become very popular. And so Yeti and I you know, we debuted together and we have really stuck through it together. We came up with drag pen. Drag pen is very original concept and idea. It is a lip sync battle competition. And how it works is Yeti and I pick three top tier artists to start off week one. And so we have our challengers come in each week and try to out lip sync our cast members and try to take their spots and become cast members themselves and the goal of drag pen is to stay on the cast as long as possible until the finale where the top four cast members will then lip sync against each other instead of the challengers and Ah. lip sync for the yeah and so you know it's it's very like king of the hill yeah and like wrestling is that where the pen comes from it was kind of like so season one was called drag pen bring it to the barnyard oh okay so like a pig pen gotcha so it was kind of like a pig pen yeah like very you know very again a nod to the farm and a nod to 
you know, mud wrestling and like all that country stuff, getting real dirty. Yes. And I've, you know, because it's such a small scene, like this Ottawa drag scene, and we're all friends and stuff. But when it comes to competitions, we get down and dirty. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of imagined like just throwing a bunch of drag artists in a pen and letting them have it, you know? Yeah. And you've gone on, obviously, the first season was a success. And you just clued up season two a few weeks ago, right? Season three, yeah. Season three. Oh, my season gosh. Three. So we've had, it's been so popular. We've had three seasons of Drag Pen in less than two years. Wow. Yeah. Of course, it has been in less than two years because it's you. You've yeah. been also yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, you asked me before the break what my like breakthrough was, my first paid gig. It was Drag Pen season one at the nice. Lookout Bar. Wow. And you made that for yourself. That is yeah. also impressive. We proposed it like very, very early on into our drag careers. And thankfully, Sue and Kelly, the owners of Lookout, believed in us and thought it was a great idea, unique concept, and took a chance on us brand new artists. Oh, I love it for this opportunity. And, you know, there's, it's just been up from there. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, it shows ambition. It shows drive. It shows dedication. And yeah. I can't imagine promoters loving anything more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I got that bit of advice from Yeti because Yeti and I hosted together a few weeks ago and it was, you know, in the chats in the back room, just being like, yeah, you need to propose a competition. And yeah. I said, yeah, I love to host. It sounds like something completely uh, up my alley. And so I've proposed a competition and something is in the works. Ooh, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. So but... season three concluded. Who won? Yeah. So as it stands... Winner of season one, Drag Pen, Bring It to the Barnyard, Miss Shady Lady. Mm-hmm. The top two, it was Shay versus Sophia. The top oh, two. wow. Two yes. amazing performers. Yes. And season two was Drag Pen, Scream Queers. Love it. We had a spooky, you know, season one was such a hit that it was in high demand to come back. And we thought, well, what a perfect opportunity to have a spooky theme. We started at the beginning of September, and the finale was right the at the weekend before Halloween. Perfect. So our category at the finale was Monster Ball, and our top two of Drag Pen's Scream Queers season two was Minnie Monroe and Mandragora. Iconic, and Mandragora started with you. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, so Minnie won season two. Mm-hmm. And... Season three, which just finished a few weeks ago. Season three is Drag Pen Y2K. Y2K. Yes. So all all, we're all the, like, all the music choices from the aughts. As I've learned, I didn't realize it was called the aughts until I listened to Paris Hilton's memoir. But anything between 2000 2009 is the aughts. Is, how do you spell that? O-U-G-H-T-S, I guess. Like the like the kind of like the circular, like, a, like an aught. Just a quick correction on the falsities that just came out of my mouth. The aughts, A-U-G-H-T-S in American English, or naughties, N-O-U-G-H-T-I-E-S in British English, are terms referring to the decade 2000 to 2009, 
and these arise from the words ought and not respectively, both meaning zero. I've truly never heard. I hadn't either until yeah, like two weeks ago. Wow, you know, we really took. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> but was that like the era of music, or were you kind of floating around yeah. Y2K? So typically, how it works is like you know whatever we call the season is generally like the theme of the season and the finale's category. So, oh, okay. for example, season one was very like country realness. Season two, we had a monster ball at the finale. Season three category was Y2K realness. And so, yeah, our playlist for season three was all Y2K throwback songs. And so our top two was Della Dustball and Mandragora. Mandragora was runner up season two. And he took it home. He won. So Mandragora is our reigning winner. Incredible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and what a full circle moment that the two hosts and the winner of season three made the yeah. three when the three started together. Yeah. The yeah. stars aligned. Oh, it that's really, incredible. It, it's been so cool. Like the kind of relationship like me, Yeti, and Major Roy have, it just we always kind of like come back to each other in like times like that. So important to have that that uh siblinghood. Yeah within drag but competition culture yeah competition culture cutthroat honey yeah like so in ottawa pretty much as it is there is always you can expect a competition every season and so you know halloween we have queer of halloween in the fall well we have queer of halloween um and what (laughs) do you have in october no like queer of halloween oh my god (laughs) no like there's always there always is a some kind of competition going on whether it's like more of like a amateur competition or a more established one such as ottawa's next strike superstar drag pen or the capital pride pageant yeah yeah yeah. what's that (laughs) my goodness well in ottawa we have capital pride which is in august Typically, Pride is celebrated in June. So, Miss Capital and Mr. Capital and Mixed Capital Pride pageants and Pride celebrations in general in Ottawa take place in August. Why is that? So, Pride is very significant um, in August for us Canadians, for us Ottawans, because the first 2S LGBTQ plus Pride protest in Canada was in August 1971 at the Parliament Hill. It followed the Stonewall Riot movement in demanding rights for us queer folks. And so in Ottawa, we honor that tradition and that protest by continuing Pride celebrations in the month of August, as opposed to traditional international celebrations in June. Amazing. I I believe that it was called the We Demand Rally? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so what a great celebration to keep up. And this Capital Pride pageant, is this kind of viewed as the hallmark competition of the year? Absolutely. It is the, you know, even to be selected to compete in the Capital Pride pageant, I think is such an honor. It is the most prestigious competition in Ottawa, in the Ottawa region. And so to be, to be competing on that main stage, you know, you have to be the best of the best. You have to be the cream of the crop. And last year was the first year they ha- they had it at the NAC. There were over 1,300 attendees watching. Wow. The competitors perform at the NAC stage. We love to yeah. see it. 
We love to see queers taking up these kinds of spaces. Being celebrated, being like sold out. You know, they sold out so quickly. And I believe they're holding the pageant on a Saturday this year. Um, yes, I think it's, don't quote me, but I think it's August 19th. So, Mr. and Mix Capital Pride have taken the NAC by storm, hopefully continuing this into this year. And competition culture is such a predominant part of the drag culture up here. And I'll also tell you one thing I've also perceived of being a really predominant part of the drag culture up here. It's rhinestones. Yes. And I didn't realize there was like a rhinestone gate going on up here in Ottawa. Uh, a little tea. Um, this is like no shade or anything. But like when yeah. I did uh, the Game of Love, one of my critiques is like I didn't have enough rhinestones on my costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't know that. And plus, this also kind of sheds light on different expectations of different places. Because I exactly. told my drag siblings back home, I was like... I was critiqued on not having, like, enough rhinestones, whereas back home we don't really care. We just serve looks, you know, in the ways that we do. But that being said, there are amazing artists um, in the city who are slaying the rhinestone game. Miss Minnie Monroe stoned my uh, dress that I did the promo in for Toastmistress's podcast. And, oh, how iconic. And yeah, yeah. it's definitely, it shows like, you know, what different communities look for in drag. Again, drag is subjective. It is what you want it to be. And nobody like should tell you anything different. Um, I think because there are so many amazing, amazing stages and stuff, we want the people in the back row to like, see how fantastic, how expensive our drag is. So just adding that, like those couple gems and like, making sure it hits the light so the people in the back of the room know just how good we look. We know we look good, but they should also know. Exactly. Make our outfits as loud yeah. and noticeable as possible. That's not and a bad I, thing. I think the other thing that, like, separates an outfit, like, if two people are wearing the same outfit and one is rhinestone and one isn't, you know, the person with the rhinestone outfit, you just know that, like, they took that little extra time and like they're a bit more conscious maybe of like how they want to present themselves and how you know yeah so i i think like that extra little effort does pay off in the long run yeah it's like the little um, piece de resistance yeah whatever that meant yeah. yeah i um so i'd like to take some opportunity now because this podcast itself is of the heart of it is helping people become better hosts. Okay. So I'd like to take some time now to redirect and talk about your favorite hosting experiences. Would you be able okay. to tell me about what stands out in your mind when I talk to you about Holly Cow? What have been your favorite hosting experiences? Oh my gosh. I what I love most about hosting is the social aspects. The audience engagement is what I live for. A good audience can just make the night so much more fun. And it really takes the pressure and work off of you as the host when the audience just goes with the flow and like volleys back with you. I think one of my favorite hosting experiences is definitely at Drag Pen. You know, you get to build inside jokes with the regulars who come. And, and so 
now when I'm on the mic, I'm just like, hey, what's up? Like kind of in my Anna Nicole Smith era. And the audience is just like, hey, it's milking time. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, it's those like little things and those special moments where, you know, you've made an impact and you know the audience is buying what you're selling. Mm -hmm. Another very special moment is, so a lot of my drag is um, all ages and drag story times. So getting to work with youth and families and parents, whether they're queer parents or parents of queer children, getting to host and teach them like, hey, you're not alone. And just really showing them the visibility that, you know, we we didn't have growing up. Oh, one of my favorite moments with that is, well, every moment working with the youth is fantastic. Mm -hmm. One of the moments that really, really stands out for me is... I did a story time in my hometown and, you know, I'm wearing like my fabulous sparkly rhinestone outfit and all that. (laughs) And, you know, the, this little child was just like looking up and was just so amazed. And they had a family photo shoot upcoming after drag story time. And, you know, they wore like a dress or something to the photo shoot where typically I think it was expected of them to wear pants or something more, you know, and, the child's cousin was like, boys don't wear dresses. Like, why are you, why are you, why do you look like that? You know? And the little kid was like, well, my friend Holly Cow is a boy and they wear dresses. Oh my heart. And the next time I had story time in my hometown, I met up, you know, the, the family was there again and their mom told me what happened at the family photo shoot. And like, I was like, you know, it was a very emotional moment knowing that what we're doing is impactful and meaningful for the youth yeah and so yeah i think i think my favorite hosting moment is like knowing that what we're doing is actually meaningful yeah and i think yeah. a lot of what you're talking about as well is you know a-, a lot of work that people do in therapy in general is healing their yeah. inner child and you are in a way projecting your inner child upon these kids because like you mentioned earlier your first safe space you experienced when you were 19 years old and the fact that you are creating these safe spaces for these kids is uh in a way healing as much as it is providing them with a vehicle towards self-acceptance because Mm -hmm. kids learn bigotry and hatred and they are affected by self-consciousness as a result of what other people say to them and how they react around them but you gave that kid heels to stand on and you know retort back to the other person who had their perceived idea of what gender norms should be so yeah kudos to you i think that that is a wonderful thing that you did and are perpetuating in this world yeah no i i fully i fully agree with that my drag is healing my drag you know i i say this a lot when i when people ask me to describe my drag my drag is like holly cow is the person i needed and wish i had growing up like i often visualize you know holly cow hugging little me 
Oh. You know, <laughs> like I really, that's how I feel about my drag. And that's what I want to put out into the world is like positive vibes and like, I guess projecting a little, <laughs> a little bit of my like traumas, um, but in a good way so that, you know, little kids don't have to, or queer youth people in general don't have to wait like 23 years yeah. to figure out who they are, you know? And scary to me because like, that's the age I came out at. And yeah. I, I I remember, and it's so, I, I love the image that you painted in my mind of like Holly Cow hugging y- you as a child, because yeah. I, one of my first major drag shows that I ever saw, it was um, Ben De La Creme's Inferno A Go-Go. Oh, yeah. And Ben De La Creme, for me, was the first ever representation I saw on a TV screen that was kind of mirrored of my life and my existence. I grew up as a kid who didn't have a lot of body confidence, a lot of body dysmorphia that was very challenging to live with. I also lost a parent at a young age. And to see the difficulties that Ben De La Creme had faced, I was I was like, oh my God, I have a voice. Yeah. And now I'm that person for my inner child too. Yeah. How beautiful. Hey, do drag. It helps. Do drag. Uh, it's a <laughs> bit more expensive than therapy and it might be, you know, but but it stays wow, with you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll do drag and just do therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I do them both and I, I honestly can't tell you which one is the the one that gives me more healing. Yeah. But you know, I, I find one of my most therapeutic things to do as a drag artist is to choose a very emotional song and mm. perform it. Like recently, um, like I'm finishing up graduate school. I have a lot of like pent up emotions and uncertainties about my future because yeah. I want to continue to do drag. I need to look into doing work, understanding the balance of that. And then one day it just dawned on me to perform, like bring me to life because it was like, I need to really surface all of this stuff that I'm feeling because I felt like I was just like getting dormant with like life happening to me. Yeah. And when I performed Bring Me to Life at, like, an open stage, it felt... And, like, the song itself is, like, exorcism adjacent. And, like, for yes. me, it felt like exorcism. It was wild. Oh, I I love being able to communicate, like, your emotions through music. Oh, and, my like, God, yeah. then getting to perform... Like, not only, you know, like, singing in your car, but getting to actually perform and, like, vent and, like, use, like, your physicality is to, like, express how you're feeling yeah absolutely i have a similar story like um speaking again speaking of competitions we had a holiday competition in ottawa and it was you know of course you know christmas themed and holidays and like everybody wanted to do like oh my gosh i love the holidays and i love my family and like i get so many presents you know that was kind of like the vibe was like very happy and fulfilling and like lovey-dovey but like for me, it's a horrible time of year. Mm. You know, it is not like Christmas and the holidays are like not a happy time of year for me. There's this one song, Won't Be Home for Christmas by Poppy. Right. I've heard this. Yeah. Yes. And 
I performed that song at the competition and it was very jarring. It was, you know, honestly, I, I was performing, I wasn't watching, so I'll never know, but I would expect it to have been very uncomfortable to watch and like listen to a sad song about like, you know, the lyrics are, I won't be home for Christmas. Right. No. Yeah. It was very emotional, but like getting to events in a safe space, in a healthy way, very, very um, therapeutic. Yeah. And and you kind of touch on the idea of empathy because, yeah. yeah, it might have been uncomfortable for people in that room when you were performing, but they didn't leave you. They didn't no. turn away from you. They sat, literally sat with yeah. you. My grandfather passed away on Christmas when I was Mm. nine or 10. And so, you know, getting to talk about that that night and like a lot of other people in the room were also missing family members, missing parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents at the holidays. So thinking you're alone, but then in reality, like so many people can relate to like your story and like what you're saying. So therapeutic. Yeah. Really brings people together. Yeah, um, Christmas is also not a great time of year for me because my father passed away during Christmas time. And so I I can relate to that. And sometimes when I'm performing, like I can feel him with me. And Mm -hmm. it's like a beautiful fact, you know, we we did a show um, during the pandemic. We caused a lot of um, media pandemonium because we were performing on the street during social and like the lockdown but people could out of their own willingness come and watch us perform Mm -hmm. and i performed holding out for a hero and yeah and so in the lyrics it's like i can swear there is someone somewhere watching me and i just remember in my living room my apartment when i was living in st john's at the the time in the moment didn't you i got the chills in the moment and the tears but yeah. like I've never personally cried in a drag performance. I've yeah. teared up. Like, but it, it's so interesting. And I had this like, conversation a bit in my last podcast episode that being present is difficult when you're being a character. Mm-hmm. And so like I will get vulnerable and talk about emotions or like intellectualize them. But yeah. the closest I've come to crying was we did a full scale production. Um, back in my hometown where I grew up. So I got to like reclaim the queerness that I lacked. Cause like you come from Arn Pryor, uh, a more rural part of Ontario. I grew up in uh, a town of like 8,000 people. It was wow. small. Our graduating class was like 150. So like compared to like the people I have conversations with, I'm like, wow, we didn't come from like a huge place, but I got to be queer and like loud and unapologetic. Mm. And we, ended our show with bohemian rhapsody and the three of us were just like rocking it on stage and the last lines of the song is like nothing really matters oh yeah and i and i i welled up because i was like yeah nothing matters you know and i love that yeah yeah going literally like the space where you were in survival mode and Mm -hmm. closet stuff and then reclaiming that space as like no like this is me, this is us, and, like, you can never take that away from me again. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a lot of amazing emotional experiences, and 
I would like to kind of shift now. You told a lot of great stories about your hosting experiences and ones that you loved. What's some advice that you can give for people who want to be hosts? Um, I think some of the advice that I have uh, for people who are wanting to be hosts or better hosts, um, or, you know, you're going into a new city and you don't know the audience or they don't know you. I think the most important thing is, it's a cliche, but have fun. You have to roll with the punches. If you tell a joke and nobody laughs, you can make fun of yourself. Or, you know, just move on like it never happened. I I think for me, it I have a shtick. Like, what I've figured out about my drag and hosting is have a point of view. For me, my point of view recently, especially leaning into the whole drag pen Y2K theme, my shtick and point of view has been being, like, a Y2K bimbo. So that's where, hey, what's up, you know, kind of came from. And, you know, come like week three of the show, I had the audience being like, hey, you know? Yes. And In the palm of your hands. Yes, yes. And like a lot of the time, the audience, it's kind of fucked, but the audience will go silent on purpose for me just to see how I react. <laughs> yeah, I always have the most perverse reaction when they don't give me what I want <laughs> and, and so it goes silent and I'm gonna be like that's so fucked up you know? <laughs> like, so I think like really leaning into the moment and being off the cuff and witty is very helpful not everybody has it but having those few lines that you can fall back on, like, that's so fucked up. Or, like, anyways, here's the shot specials. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, Escape I mean, routes. The, yes, having having a plan B when hosting doesn't go... You know, you should never expect... You should never expect hosting to go well. No. In my mind, I'm, like, always thinking, okay, I'm gonna be so bad tonight. Like, so here's, like, plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G if it's silent or like I'm not fun you know what I mean I always have a backup plan to the backup plan and I think that's not only what has saved me but I think it's what's made me a really good host and I think you're really yeah. talking to something as well that's like in the theater realm that's like bad dress rehearsal good show because yeah. you're like anticipating a bad show and yes. I don't imagine that Holly Cow curates many bad environments in hosting because look where you are. Here I am. I, yeah, no. I always expect the worst, but hope for the best. It's very cynical, but um, a lot of that cynicism comes from working in healthcare, where yeah. we also, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And so I translate a lot of, like, my healthcare state of mind into my drag. Yeah. yeah. And that must be healing that way, too. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's such, like, drag is such a good outlet for all aspects of life i think some more hosting advice is don't be shy be loud on the mic please hold the microphone close to your mouth oh my gosh yes that's what it's there for (laughs) yeah yeah like sometimes the mic will have like a good range but in our small clubs and stuff there's not you have to hold it close to your mouth otherwise you get feedback yes have noticed that so i think like the the artists need to like also be familiar with the tech equipment um, do sound show up early and do a sound check if you're unprepared or nervous. A drag artist showing up early? 
Right? <laughs> We're trying to give good advice here, Holly. Some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Practical hey, advice. Some of need to up early. And by early, I mean on time. Exactly. Oh my God. The last open stage I was inserted at 8.30 p.m. And, wow. and I had a gig prior. So it yeah. was perfect because I literally showed up like two seconds before the end of the first set and I got to perform. And definitely practice. Practice, practice, practice. I, I'm confident in what I do because I practice in the mirror. Because I tell my jokes to my friends before the show. Working out your material. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it, that ties in with like knowing who you are as an artist. That takes time and that takes a lot of growth. Maybe a couple of competitions to figure out who you are and where you want to go. But practice and experience. Yeah. I think so those are two really great advice to give. Um, It is having fun and practicing. And also putting yourself out there, I think, is also a a bit of advice that I would give. Because I believe at the open stages, there's always... You you have to seize every moment in drag. Drag is not to be just a moment passing by. Like, you are the moment. You grab it. And you make what you can of it. And when I did, like, my first open stage, I was like, you know, you're given the mic at little intervals to be like, hey, like, who are you? What are you doing? Tell us about your drag. And then I just, like, take the moment. I wasn't even hosting two weeks ago. I used the microphone as a prop. And then at the end of the song, I turned the microphone on and then started animating the crowd. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Oh, my gosh. One more thing. When you're plugging your socials, do it once and do it correctly. Don't just finish your number and be like, oh my God, follow me on Instagram every single time. No, you stop the audience, you make them pull your phones out once, and you get them to follow you the first time. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't get their attention the first time, like, better luck next time, you know? Mm-hmm. Amazing advice from Holly Cow. When we come back, we're going to be talking about things more intimate in terms of gratitude. Gratitude, as I've touched on in our previous episode, is something that can help you in more of the darker times. If you're having negative thought processes, let's be a bit more grateful for the things that are working for us. So when we get back, we're going to be chatting to Holly Cow about what we can be grateful for. So, let's check in. What are we being grateful for on this very lovely day, Holly Cow? We are so grateful for the sun and the nice weather that we're having. No more snow, no more cold weather. We're able to go outside, breathe the fresh air. In my case, work on the farm. (laughs) And another thing I'm grateful for, I just moved into a new apartment. Yeti and I are now roommates. Oh my gosh. What a congratulatory moment. Thanks, yeah. Grateful for housing security and having a place to sleep, yeah. Incredible. Those are amazing things to feel grateful for. How do you feel now after talking about what you're grateful for? Oh gosh, it's always, you know, gratitude practice is always, it's new to me, of course, but starting it and just, it does lift you. Yeah. You know, it automatically, you know, all the negative things on your mind just kind of muffle out and become less hard to deal with, you know, because you have some good going on in your life. 
Mm -hmm. And there's always something that we can look at that it's going positively for us. And yeah. even the most despairing of times in our lives. Yeah. There are people that love us. We are safe. And we're able to, you know, always get through 100% of our days. Absolutely. We've made it to this point, haven't we? <laughs> so those are great things to help with the mind. But we also have things that, you know, are, are lovely distractions to have in life. And of course, I'm talking about media. Social media itself is a bit of a, um, a bittersweet technology to have. But that's not the media that I would like to chat about with you, Holly Cow. I'd like to know what media you're consuming. What are you grazing on, Holly Cow? <laughs> oh, you want to know what I'm grazing on? Yeah, tell us and the listeners at home what you're grazing on. Like, what are you uh, listening to, whether it be podcasts or music or reading or like something that you're vibing with, whatever it might be? In my downtime, you know, I definitely like to consume some feel-good queer media. So for me, I love going back and rewatching Steven Universe. Mm. I really love Studio Ghibli films. Good old anime. Oh, also Orange is the New Black. Nice. Go back and binge that show. Media. I love I love my video games. I'm a Nintendo girl. Ooh, Nintendo girl. So I have been playing I love Pokemon. Same. I have been all over the new Pokemon games, Legends RCS, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, Scarlet and Violet. Were you Scarlet or Violet? So I got the double pack. Yes! Version yes. exclusives I, come through. Yes, exclusives. Exclusives. <laughs> I I really wanted to get Violet, but there was I picked up the last Violet at Walmart and there was a kid behind me who really wanted Violet. And so the kid was Too like, bad. Are you, you going to take that? <laughs> and I was able to purchase the double pack. Like, it's more expensive. And I was like, okay, like, I can afford this. So I bit the bullet. I took the double pack and the little kid got Violet. But yeah, no, versions exclusives. Absolutely. Yeah. Was, was my other motivator. Um, but yeah, so far, Team Violet. Awesome. So, so camp. camp. So camp. So <laughs> drag. So queer. We are here for it. Oh, Music-wise, though, I, I gotta give it to my Canadian girly Rev. She mm -hmm. has been turning it recently with her music. Saw her in Montreal a month and a bit ago. And it was her first headlining show in her hometown. Oh. And just chef's kiss. Like, the production value is so good. And her voice is beautiful. And she is like computer programmer extraordinaire i use her cheat code all of the time when my computer is blocking up i just said okay i'm just going to control alt and delete it <laughs> i was like oh my gosh is she also a stem girly no you were just setting up a really good joke <laughs> it's no, the long play her. right yeah ottawa loves rev she was just in ottawa on monday actually and there were a lot of local artist icons opening for yeah. her. Yeah, it was crazy. Shout out to all the drag artists who opened for her. Um, another one. Who's your favorite singer? Ooh, my favorite singer is definitely Florence and the Machine. Love. Mm -hmm. I got to see Love. them in Laval last year. 
Mm. Yeah, I love Avril Lavigne too. Oh, um, my first open stage here, my second number was I'm With You. Oh. Yeah. One of my favorite songs to perform, and I think everybody, anybody who's seen me in Ottawa, I love doing When You're Gone. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't sing it like a ballad. I'm like rotted, ran through, nasty, filthy, lip syncing that song. Yeah, well, it's your twist on it. She wrote that song about her dead grandpa, and you, you know what I said? I'm going to fuck somebody to this song. Yeah, and that, folks, is drag. <laughs> that is drag. <laughs> this is what they're trying to ban. Exactly. I mean, maybe they're onto something. <laughs> I, a few weeks ago, performing with Bay, she was, like, standing right next to me, and I had, I performed, like, Untouched by the Veronicas, and I had... Absolutely. I had a, a homemade saw with like Shay written on it and she was standing next to me and I was like sawing her puss. And then she was like, Oh yeah. Like saw that. I was like, this is what the conservatives think we're doing. And that is literally what you did. <laughs> yeah. They, they're right. I know the agenda, <laughs> they saw it and inspired them to create all these stupid diabolical legislation things going or on. The the stage. Yeah. Who knew? Shay is doing an inside job. For the folks at home, Shay is not being serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, holy cow. What a lovely time we had kikiing today. Yes. We were talking about how this is the first time we've really interacted outside of drag. So, look at my podcast bringing people together who otherwise would have eventually met in the future with the regular course no, of life. <laughs> We're going to be booked together one day. Don't worry. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Holly cow, where, what do you have coming up? Um, not a lot because I was eliminated from superstar. Mm. So by the time you hear this, uh, this podcast will be happening on the day of, uh, Ottawa's next drag superstar. So if you haven't gotten your tickets for tonight's show on may 18th go ahead and buy them and snatch them up online if any are left and check out the sickening performers who are left in the competition and perhaps we will see holly cow wrangle her way back into the rodeo so folks you will keep an eye out for that yes um yeah so where can we find you on the social medias yeah, so it's very simple. If you are driving, do not pull out your phone right now, but listen to it or pull over right now. Here is your 10 second chance to pull over and follow me on socials before you continue driving. Not the police. You can follow, <laughs> you can follow me on socials at Farm Girl Holly. That's H O L L I. And if you don't have social media, I'm also on Facebook at Holly Cow. Shade. <laughs> and then if you don't have that, farmgirlholly at gmail.com. Yes, email or DM for bookings. I am quite available now that I've been eliminated. Yeah, well, um, here I am taking up your Thursday, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do actually have a couple of Pride drag story times coming up next month. Awesome. Um, so, yes, I'll be traveling in the province uh, for some story times. The next biggest event I have coming up is Redemption Week at the Lookout Bar for Ottawa's Next Drag Superstar. So if you're Team Holly Cow, you want to see me come back, I would really appreciate 
your support. Fantastic. Yeah. Folks, flock out to the bars if you can. I understand that some of my listeners are from Newfoundland and Labrador, and hopefully you've enjoyed being introduced to this sickening talent that Ottawa region has to offer to you. I'd like to thank you so much for joining me today, Holly Cow. Thank you for having me, Shaymoa. Oh, and we'll be working together soon. I just know it. Well, hey, if you're ever heading back home, I would love to be screeched in. Toast Mistresses is written and produced by Shaymoa, hosted by Shaymoa, edited by, you guessed it, Shaymoa, and sponsored by Display Rules. <laughs>